Well, good evening, everybody. That was a terrible good evening for a Queensland group here. Let's say again. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good, evening. good to uh, be here and uh, appreciate the opportunity. I was talking to your pastor um, last year, and uh, I was mentioning I was going to be down this weekend doing some things down at the Gold Coast with uh, Mitchell Smith being ordained uh, this morning, and so we were part of the ordination for Mitchell, and and uh, then he mentioned he wouldn't be here this weekend, and so you've got a substitute. You have a substitute this evening, and uh, always reminds me of that young boy who was playing cricket and uh, smashed the uh, window at the house one day, and you know they put up the bit of board and whatever to sort of get it there until later the window could be repaired and then one day they were at church and they had a substitute preacher and uh, he said to his dad, he said, what is a substitute? And he said, remember that cricket ball that just smashed in the window and we had to put up that piece of wood to cover the window pane? And he said, yeah, he said, well, that's the substitute. The, the wood was the substitute for the window pane. He said, so he's a substitute preacher. Well, after the end of the sermon, the little boy said, Dad, he wasn't a substitute, he was a real pain. And um, sometimes <laughs> you can get that way. I want you to, um, and thanks for turning on the weather, you've got Rockhampton weather down here today. Um, I think it was 42 in Rockhampton today, so it was a good day to be away. And uh, I think you guys, I'm not sure what you got here, but it was a stinker down there at the coast. And uh, aren't you glad for the Queensland summers and uh, just enjoyable times and I reckon the guy who invented air conditioning should have got a Nobel Peace Prize. I really think he should have got something from there. I think, he, I think it definitely keeps the peace in some homes. Ephesians chapter 3 was the text that was read out earlier. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 to 21. And I, I want to talk to you tonight on this uh, topic, which I've, you can see behind you on the screen here, which is simply just called Unlimited our God is able. How many have made the New Year's resolutions and already broken the New Year's resolutions? I mean, sometimes that happens and we kind of think, I can do this or God, you can help me do this and we get to those points. And I think everybody has that, um, has that one thing, no matter how old or how young you are, that one thing that's always there, whether it be the memory, the, the hurt, whether it be the habit, the feeling, the fear, the thought pattern, whatever it may be, and that thing that you just can't seem to... You just can't seem to escape, you just can't seem to fix it, you just can't seem to solve it. And just when you think, I've got it beat now, I've, I've, got, it, I've, I've got this thing covered, I've got it handled, it manages to keep you awake at night still. And those things are there and you've prayed, you've asked, you've begged, you've fretted, you've schemed, you've manipulated, you've done whatever to try to help you with your it, whatever it may be, and they can change throughout life and you think, if God can just do this, and you think, well, he can, and, uh, and maybe you could throw a few verses of Scripture up from there, but deep down in your soul, something stirs within where you have that nagging doubt. Can God really help me in this situation I'm in right now, whatever it may be? And I don't know what the it is for you. Sometimes it could be in some people's lives, will I ever get over that broken heartedness that I felt because of what's happened in my family or with my children or with a, a spouse? Can, can God really ever save a, a marriage? Is it, uh, can God let you give birth to that child safely? Can God protect you from uh, an impending dangerous situation or an impending loss or a threat that you're coming up? And, and those it's can be numerous, as many as there are people, there are many, as many thoughts or issues that can come through your life. And it's not that we don't believe that God is powerful. Uh, we, we believe that God can, in theory, do the things that we are asking him to do or, or praying for. Yet, when faith has to step into the realm, it's then there is often a measure of doubt that comes in. And I want to uh, help us tonight, just as we again begin another year and and no doubt there are things that are pressing in your lives and in your church life or in your family lives or individual lives where we need to reassure ourselves again and continually remind ourselves that our God is able, that we have a God that is well and truly able to do, as we've read in the text, exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. And I could give opportunity to 
have testimonies of people to come up and say, this is how God done something in my life. And no doubt there would be a multitude of testimonies along that way. But I also think there would be testimonies of times where you said, I asked God, but he didn't answer the way that I'd asked him to reveal something or do something. And, and I've been left disappointed. I've been left uh, confused. I've been left a little bit uh, shattered. I've been left a little bit unsure. And the thing is that we know that God can move mountains, do we not? We, we sing songs about God can move mountains. And, and, but what happens when there is a mountain that seems unmovable? That God doesn't choose to allow that mountain to be moved. And in those moments, we, we have to stop and say, well, even though he didn't move the mountain, he's still God and he's still able. And just because he doesn't, doesn't mean he can't. And just because God doesn't, uh, doesn't mean uh, that he will at some point in time. We, we, we stick with that. And what we find, and you would have found in Christian living, is that there are times in the Christian life that sometimes the best work that God does is not what he does for us, but what he does inside of us. And, and, I, and, I, and I put that phrase up there because that to me is, is very important because sometimes we're looking for an outward work to take place. Yet God is doing an incredible work in changing a perspective that I didn't think would ever be changed. Maybe refueling a lost passion that I didn't think that passion would ever come back. Uh, maybe refocusing in your life, maybe a misplaced priority. And now that is now intensified or refreshing a, a darkened spirit during a, maybe a depressive episode or an anxious moment. Uh, something along those lines, I'm writing a book at the present time on, on when panic attacks, dealing with anxiety, and, and as I continue to research and put things together, you, you find there are times where you think, will a person ever come out of these moments? And, and we have to believe that our God is able, that he is able. And isn't it a great when God surprises you at times by doing things that you would never expect Maybe when he changes your spouse and you didn't expect that to take place or he reorientates a child's direction and maybe those who have older children who you no longer have much influence in their life in, the, in shaping things, you all of a sudden get that surprise when what you had sown into them in years gone by all of a sudden reveals itself and manifests itself in their life in a great way for God's glory and you think, God, you can do these things. And it comes back and reassures us. But what I want to direct in this attention is that we've got to be very careful that we don't ever put God in a box. That, the, that our thinking and our limitations reduce to what we believe God is able to do. And that we bring God into the realm of the possibility rather than the, letting him be the God of the impossible. That's what God specializes in, the impossibilities of life. And he's not confined to... Our, our thoughts or our reasoning or our rationale and that's what the Apostle Paul is directing our attention back to here in Ephesians to let us realize that we have a God that is unlimited and to remind us again that our God is absolutely able so as we think in this passage the Apostle Paul uh, he is a masterful writer he is the one whom God has equipped uh, through his past, through his current time as he's writing this. And I think most scholars would agree that uh, of all the writings of the Apostle Paul, the book of Ephesians sort of sits at one of the pinnacles as you look at what he was writing. And he, he takes us through the mysteries of the glory of God in this book. He, he nearly runs out of breath trying to portray God as he goes through it. He begins in, in, in the first 58 verses, he he takes us into, into heavenly places. He, he then, can we come back down to the foundation of the world? And, and then he zooms back out and then he zooms forward to the future and, and teaches us about an eternal purpose that we have in God and, and reminds us of unsearchable riches that we have in Jesus. And then he begins one of his prayers in the book. And it's in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 14, that he begins his first prayer. And it goes something like this as you follow along, if you are reading in the Scriptures, or if you don't have a Bible, you can read on the screen as I go through it. Here is what Paul said, For this cause, 
I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That purpose word, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And he's saying, what is he going to grant you? To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, expand your thinking, expand your understanding with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. I mean, gets you beyond a level that you already know, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then after he finishes this prayer request, he then jumps into, a, into what we refer to as a doxology in the middle of the book, like he's winding up. And a doxology is one of those majestic declarations of God. It's the worshipful praise and an outpouring of, of honour to God. And he, he builds this up and it's, this, these verses are, they're incredibly powerful. They're so powerful that really it's, it's almost too much to bear when you look at verses 20 and 21. When you really sit and comprehend and say, God, what are you saying through the Apostle Paul in these passages? And he makes this statement, and you can read it again here. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. All that we ask or think. Just, just ponder that moment. For a, for a few seconds there. He can do above that according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, without end. And it seems to me he's finished his prayer and he's about to give this doxology. And if you chopped out a section of this verse, here is what it would say. You think of these two words. He says, now unto him... Then he picks it up again. So if you drop it out, he's literally saying this. Now unto him, and then he gets a little bit sidetracked, thinking about the him, and starts to talk about all his attributes. Then he comes back to that doxology. Unto him be glory. So he's got this little bit of a sidetracked moment, and that's what I want you to think about, is these few words that sidetracked the Apostle Paul to the moment as God the Holy Spirit said, and don't forget this. And prompted him when he's put those words, now unto him. And he's so overwhelmed with the him that he has to again put this description of what God is able to do and remind us that God is absolutely unlimited and our God is absolutely able. And, and I realize at times we can feel that our God is limited. We read our Bibles, we come to church, we're eager to grow. But sometimes we have that mental, spiritual, practical roadblock and we're saying, God, can we break through this impossibility in what I think is not possible? God, is it possible with you? And I want to encourage us tonight that our God is absolutely able. And there are three things, if you want to jot them down, that help us move from that realm of, of possibility to impossibility in this passage. And here's the first thing you can jot down. We need to make our connection with God. We need to make our connection with God. Here is what Paul begins, and he breaks this verse down. I want to extrapolate some truth uh, from these verses for us tonight. He begins with, with one word. In verse 20, he begins with this word, now. And I want us just to, before we rush off into how he describes God himself, he, he wants to tell us that this is a very present tense promise that I'm going to talk about. That I'm writing to you something now about a present tense God. And we need to concentrate a little bit on that word because when you need what this verse is going to talk about, you don't think now. All of a sudden, you're thinking back then or, or how come or, or what if tomorrow or what next or where to now. And we become quite adept at focusing on the later and thinking about looking at another direction or, or daydreaming off. And, and we need to remember that our God is a now God. 
and we can make a connection with him in the now that he can deal with things now, not in the future or not dealing because of what's happened in the past. He is a now God. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think whenever you're in trouble, that's when he is very present. In fact, the Bible says that our God is a refuge and a strength and a very present help when? In trouble. He is a now God and we need to remember that because your it, whatever that thing is that troubles you at times or keeps you awake or, or you struggle with, is, needs to understand you're, it's sharing space with this now. God is here, here in whatever it, it is in your life. Whatever your it is, your it might be bills piled sky high. I want you to let you know God is now, right in that moment. It could be when you're littered with doubts and fears, that's your it. Your it is sharing space with the now. He is the, pre he is the present God in the now. Some of you might remember the account of uh, Mary and Martha and their, their brother had died. And you can jot this thought down here that God makes a connection and wants you to make a connection as he did with Mary and Martha between your current circumstances and your God because sometimes we miss that connection and we forget that God you're very interested in rights happening in my current situation and if you think back to the Mary and Martha circumstances and the issues that took place Lazarus their brother had died and there is Lazarus dead Jesus waits how many days before he turns up? Four days. And uh, he wasn't four days late. He was right on time. And, and, and he turns up at that moment. And if you remember what was happening, they had thought that he, was, he had missed the moment, that he wasn't there when they had their moment of need, that literally they had been let down by someone who loved them. And, and there was a a little sense of uh, betrayal, a little sense of uh, disappointment and frustration with Jesus. And then Martha turns up, but she makes this confession in John chapter 11 and verse 21. And Martha said unto Jesus this, Lord, if thou hadst been here, look, if you just would have been here, my brother had not died. And I don't know what happened there. But I don't know if there was a look in Jesus' eyes at her. But then she switched and she says, But I know, but I know that when, even now. See, she believed in a now God. Whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And she looks at Jesus and she says, I know that even now, even though it looks impossible, even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And some of us need to have an even now moment. We need to be able to say, even now, now unto him. It's a moment where God could work and we don't have to think, well, maybe it will be later or maybe it, it did happen before, but it won't happen now. Even now, when you're discouraged, the presence of God can come in and build your faith. Even now, when you feel alone and there's no one there, the presence of the Holy Spirit of God can give you peace that surpasses all understanding even now. We have to make that connection with our God. If we don't make that connection, we're going to miss the very reason that he is there. And that's why when we think about him being unlimited, he brings that little phrase up again. And let me remind you, you want to maybe circle it in your Bible or mark it there, unto him. And he repeats it again, unto him. Let's get our focus back onto God in those moments of impossibility. When we look at it and we think, no, I don't think this is ever going to go away. I've tried, I've worked on this, I've prayed over this, I've begged God for this to happen. It hasn't happened. In those moments, we need to stop and say, unto him. Now unto him. Let's get our focus on to him. Turn, turn to him, not turn to, to others, turn to him. Paul said, get that connection back with God from there. Now just think about this. Where was Paul when he wrote these, these verses? For, that, for those Bible students, you know where he was. He was stuck in a prison. There is Paul. His it was a prison sentence. And, and literally, he pens this sentence when he's under a sentence. And there is Paul in the midst of his prison, and his it was quite bleak. You're stuck in a prison. 
but he's even now, God was right with him. And he said, even now, in my prison sentence, God is able. Even now, I, I'm looking unto him. Your, your marriage might be, might be hanging by a thread. You need to make that connection unto him. Right? This is even now. Your finances might be a disaster. Make the connection unto him is where I'm going to focus my attention. Uh, your child could be living reckless. You could be all sorts of things happening. Make the connection that I have an even now God, that he is present to help even now. And that's a, that is a, a step of faith in your understanding because there are times we say, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. And God is saying, Paul, Paul turns around and says, just get that connection with God. He is an even now God, now unto him. I make that connection. Then he says, here's the second thing you need to do. You need to then magnify your comprehension of God. Make that connection with him that he's now present. He's with you. He's, he, is that, he is that moment away. He is right there. And then I need to magnify my comprehension of God. And I love this part. I love how he just gets wrapped up in, in this comprehension of who God is that we might be able to comprehend with all saints this truth about God. He says, he says that God is, is so much more than we get hold of at times. And try to understand what I'm about to say now. God is as big as you make him. God is as great as you make him. Because he, you, you and I can limit what we believe God can do through our thinking and our comprehension. And God is saying, magnify your comprehension of me. I am greater than what you ever think. I am bigger than what you ever think. I am unlimited. And let's not limit what God is able to do and whom he is from there. And so Paul said, I want you to think about this person unto him who we're magnifying our attention to. And he said, I want you to think about this, that he is able, and notice what he says, he's able to do exceeding. Now, if you've ever been caught speeding, you have exceeded the speed limit. And generally, there is a penalty that's attached to that. Here is something, there is no penalty when you get a comprehension of exceeding. God is saying, whatever you think, exceed it. Whatever you put your limit on and you think, well, this is all God is capable of, and here's the danger of Christianity. The more, the, the more often we do things and the more routine we become, the more we limit to where we think God is able. It happens in our giving. It happens in all different aspects of our service. We think, well, we know God is able to do this. And we get quite level comfortable in a level of Christianity, whether it be in our missions giving, in our witnessing, in our service, and we're quite comfortable. And God is saying, I can do exceeding that. I'm able to do exceeding above those things. And, and Paul uses this, this double compound. He said exceeding abundantly. And he sort of, he's sort of making up a, a word here. And he pulls these words together. When he said exceeding, he's, he's using a word which is, which is a word called, we'll call hyper. And we would call something hyper. There's what? Something's pretty aggressive. Something's moving pretty quick here. See, see hyper turns active into hyperactive. And so Paul's saying, God's hyper. I want you to understand, he is, he is exceeding. I mean, hyper, for all you Star Trek fans, turns drive into hyperdrive. I mean, it, it, it takes you beyond what it is. Uh, hyper turns tension into hypertension. And he's saying, God is, is hyper. God is exceeding. And then he says, that's not even enough. He, he's not just that, he's exceeding abundantly. And he's sort of like saying another hyper. He said God is hyper, hyper. He, he's pulling this together and he, he stacks words upon words and he's sort of saying God is incredibly incredible. God is extravagantly extravagant. God is awesomely awesome. He's, he's just trying to get us to comprehend, don't limit who this God is. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly. I want you to magnify this comprehension of God that there is no box that can hold God. 
There is no limitation to our mindset. And, and sometimes I think, uh, I, I don't know at times, uh, and I understand all doctrinal issues, but sometimes I think we dispensationalize God out of the box. And, and, and God is saying, I'm still God. There is nothing impossible to me. We say, oh, well, that happened then or couldn't happen now. And, and we think, God, you're God. God is able to do whatever he chooses to do. He can do exceeding abundantly. And then he says, and not just that, above all. I mean, he throws it on top of that. He said, our God is indescribably indescribable. He is able to do more And I want to say to us tonight, to all of us, that God will always exceed the expectations of mankind. There is nothing that he's unable to do. You just think about this. Jesus comes to this earth, dies for our sins, and the Lord forgives, uh, not only forgives a sin, he forgives how much sin? All sin. I mean, that's pretty exceeding abundantly. Uh, You think through... Uh, you think, well, God only loves me when you're good. No, God loves you when you, in whatever state. His love is never, he's unchangeable. Uh, you think about even, God didn't make one single drop of water. He made, an, he made oceans of water, meted them out with his hands. He didn't just create one star, he created galaxies. I mean, that's exceeding abundantly. We can't even work them out from earth. I mean, just think about the exceeding abundantly, abundance of his creation. He didn't make one beetle. He made thousands of different species and types of beetles. I mean, I mean, who really cares about a beetle? I mean, but it's God's, that's just God exceeding abundantly. I mean, you think about the treasures in the snow, the snowflakes being all different and the signature of God. God could quite easily have just said, one type of fish, one bird, one dog, that will solve a lot of things at the pet store. We can get it all sorted out. He, he's exceeding abundantly in everything he does. He just does these great things. In fact, you know when David sins with Bathsheba, Nathan comes and rebukes him, but even in his rebuke, he reminds him that God is exceeding abundant. He turns around in his rebuke and he said this, I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel of Judah. And if that had been too little... If that had been too little, David, I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. I would have given you more than you could even ask or think, David. But you went your own way and forgot that I'm the God of exceeding abundance, that I can do exceeding abundantly. And let me tell you, if if God is able to do what he says he can do and he can do, he can give you such and such then let me ask you this question. What can he do with your life? Where have we limited him? Where have we come to a point that says, well, that's, that's not possible. Sounds great, but it will never happen. Yeah, I, I, no, hang on. Do we, do we believe this? Maybe we've got to go back and make our connection with God now unto him. And get back and worship that God true, truly is able. And say, God, help me magnify my comprehension of you. Because I've got a finite little pea brain. And you're infinite. And your ways are far above our ways. I was just having lunch with a, a lady today who believed uh, several years ago. She was a nurse and uh, she was late in her 50s. That God had... Called, called upon her to become a doctor. And she just applied for not just any university, she applied for Bond University. And if you know what Bond University's fees are, they're quite extravagant. They've got no money. They're, they're nothing. She got all the way through Bond University and was given scholarships, was given this, and, and the doors just kept opening and opening and opening. She's got two years left now to finish her prac, and then she's a qualified doctor. She'll be in her 60s. And she said, I'm not doing because I want to make a living. I'm doing because I want to serve God somewhere. But there's been a hold, and she thought, I don't know why. It doesn't seem like I can get through this. It doesn't seem like, because you've got to pay off a little bit of a bill, and she hasn't got that there. And she's been saying, God, I, I don't want to make you look bad. I, I believe this was from you. Why did you put me through all this? And then 
about three weeks ago, she travelled to visit her daughter. She went down to see her daughter. She noticed the grandson seemed like he was losing weight. And she said, is he okay? Oh, yeah, he's just growing. Are you sure? And all of her four years that she had done in medical school started to rattle through her mind. She then turned around and she said, I noticed when he was having a bath, he's got bruising. I know, well, the kids fight all the way. There's five boys who are always fighting and punching and wrestling. And then I noticed that he's coughing a lot. You need to go to the doctor and here's what you need to do. The doctor normally says, oh, go and get a blood test. Now you tell the doctor, I want a blood test. I think he's got leukaemia. He's 10. She said she never would have done that. Well, she, they went and did this and come back and sure enough, her grandson's got leukaemia. And she said, you know, I, I, I got home before I got that news from my daughter and I sat there and said, God, why did you have me do all this? She said, and if it was just now that he put me in that position to help potentially save my grandson's life, because the doctors turned around and when they put him into hot, when they went and done the hospital, they said he has got a mass on his lungs that potentially, if this would have gone another week, he would have had a respiratory attack in his sleep and died. And sometimes we can limit where we think God will work in our lives. And we need to say, God, you, you can do, well, what can he do with your life? What can he do with your heart? What can he do with your gifts? What can he do with your hands? What can he do with your life? Where, where have I said, nah, it's not, it's not I, I can't ever see that happening. What, what can he do with you at your school? What can he do with you at your, at your work? What can he do with your future? What can he do with your challenges? What, what can he do? And whatever you think, magnify it because we have a God that I hath not seen or nor ear heard neither it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him that we have a God that can do exceeding abundantly and our tendency is to limit God the nation of Israel did that in fact the Bible says they limited the Holy One of Israel cost them a lot by limiting him and we need to say, God, I, I don't know what, what God knows. I, I don't see what God sees. I don't understand what God understands. I don't know even how, how he works in things. But here is what I do know. I do know that he is unlimited. I can't get it all, but I do know he is unlimited. And I love how Jeremiah put it. Jeremiah turns this way, and here's what he said. And I love the beginning of this, this verse. He, st he starts off and he says, ah, Lord God. I just love that. Ah, Lord God. It's like... You ever had a big uh, a drink and you sort of had that refreshment at the end and go, ah. <laughs> I sometimes think, ah, Lord God. It's like, this is, this is just, I'm so overwhelmed with, with who he is. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth. I mean, that's a feat. Think about this. It, we, we just spit it out there. You've made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and there is nothing, there is nothing too hard for the and whatever we contemplate, whatever we start to hesitate to ask, and you might go to prayer and think, you know what, I, I've had a pretty good run this last year, and pretty much most of my prayers were answered. If I ask him this one, I'm probably going to get an X, and I really don't want to sort of risk. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well right now, but you know what, we need to stretch that and realize, boy, he's got a stretched out arm. He's got an arm that is, is able to do exceeding abundantly. And what could he do with Good Shepherd Baptist Church? Do you think by this time next year this place will be full? Look around you. Just look around. Do you think this time next year God is able to fill someone in those seats right there? He's able. And, and we can say, God, you can do this. Do you think that our country can be revived? Oh, pastor, they just passed the same-sex marriage bill. Well, do you think our country can be revived? Do you think there is opportunity for God to move in great and mighty ways? God is able to do exceeding abundantly. He just needs a bunch of people who believe him. 
and take him and, and make that connection with God. And you say, well, there is, I, I struggle. And he said, well, I've made, I've made some provision for that. I understand that. And so Paul to later on says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Where all of a sudden we think, I don't know if I can do it. That's okay. The Holy Spirit can jump in and help you in this one. For, there are times where we know not what to pray for as we ought. Ever got to that point? I don't even know how to pray for this right now. And God says, don't worry, I got you covered on that one too. You just cry out however you can. And he said, for the, but the Spirit, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad we have a God who says, I understand your frailties. I understand your weaknesses. I understand your limitations, but I'm not limited. Just bring what you have. Just bring it to me like the little boy with his lunch. Just bring it to me and let me turn that around because I make intercession for you. And the Holy Spirit of God steps in. So I make that connection with God. I, I magnify my comprehension of God. And then lastly, I maintain my confidence in God. I maintain a confidence in God. And my confidence in, in God is going to be this reason, for this reason. That rest of the text in verse 20, 20 turns around and says, He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according, according to the power that worketh in us. Where am I placing my confidence that God is able to do this? I'm placing it in the power that he said he's given us. The power that's in us. And he said, this is a, a little bit of a surprise. It's God's power in where I'm going to be placing this. He said, let me tell you where it is. Let me tell you where the power is. It's in us. So say that again. It's in us. What, what did you say? The power's in us. Well, hang on. I'm talk, I thought we're talking about the God who's exceeding abundantly. We are. But he said, I want to tell you, he's put that power in us. The question is whether we turn on the power source. It's in us. It's there. Now, if we go back up in the text, remember Paul prayed that request? And Paul is saying, let me tell you where I'm asking God to switch the power on. It's not that you get a better job or a better circumstance. Those things may stay the same. It's not that your child may come back or that may stay the same. But God said, I'm praying that you'll be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. It's where you need the power source. Not the outer man, not what we can do. It's what's happening in here. It's the inner man, the soul, the spirit, the mind, the emotions, how you think, how you feel, how you decide, how you relate to God. It's the inner man where I need the power of God because my circumstances and the outer man may never change. My body may fall apart, but my inner man needs to be strengthened as I deal with those changes that are happening and my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I ever ask or think and he does it by the power that's within so I move through whatever circumstance I'm in with the power that was within. You think, well, what, what, what do you mean by this power within? Let me give an illustration. Christopher Reeves was uh, the man they chose to be Superman. And years ago, there was a search in America to try to find the perfect Superman. And they considered lots of actors. They even considered then... Uh, the Olympic champion then, Bruce Jenner. Obviously, he'd have to be considered for Wonder Woman now. I'm not sure how that works. But, um, but they finally settled for this unknown actor named Christopher Reeves, that he is now Superman, indestructible, flies over a building you know, over in a single bound or wherever it is and stops a speeding bullet, all these things. And, and it's a role that was all about the outer man. That was the role. In Christopher Reeve's last movie, uh, before an accident, he wasn't playing Superman in this movie. He was playing the role of a paraplegic. And he said every day that he would get in his car and drive away from the movie set with a smugness. So I'm glad that's not my real life role because he had believed in the outer man. Well, it was seven months later 
Christopher Reeve, Reeve had an accident, a horse riding accident. And in doing so, he was left the quadriplegic. Superman, out of body, is now broken. And uh, he said in his new life, in different things, he realised that he'd spent his whole life focusing on outer body. He'd never focused on an inner man. Sadly, at 52 years of age, in 2004, he passed away. But not before recognising the fact that quite visibly, if you ever saw photos of him in his latter days, the outward man perish. But what needs to be strengthened by his might is an inner man. Because uh, we all know as you get older that that strength of body fades. And what I used to be able to times accomplish because of my business prowess, my work prowess, my mental prowess, that all goes. My physical abilities, that, that just disappears. And I have to understand that, that power comes from the inside out according to the power that worketh in us. Strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And, and I want you to notice what he says here because at times whenever a crisis of confidence comes in our life, the first thing we are going to be tempted to try to build is to build it from the outside. A crisis hits you and you look to money to be the confidence and the strength and the security. We immediately change, do, do we have enough money to cover this? Uh, physical issues happen and, and I look to physical health, I, I look to job security, I, I look to, to friends to maybe build up uh, strength and confidence from that. Well, at least I've got my friends, at least I've got my church, at least I've got my, my job. And I'm finding my confidence in that. Or maybe uh, I've got a crisis in confidence at work and, and I start to build up enough numbers to give me more confidence there. And God is saying, you don't need the confidence in the outer. You need the confidence in the inner. That's where you need the power. That's where you need the strength. And, and he says, he's going to give you according to, according to the power. Now back up in verse 16, he talks about according to his riches. And, and it's very important that you understand how the phraseology is in the scripture. He doesn't say according, he doesn't say that God gives you, he gives things according uh, to his riches. Have a look here in verse 16. He says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, that he would give you according to his power. He doesn't say he's going to give you out of his power or out of his riches. But he says, I'm going to give you according to my power, according to the riches of God. You say, what's the significance? What's the difference? The big difference is understanding how much God can do in you. For example, if I went up to a billionaire and I went up to a billionaire and I asked him for $5, well, he would just be giving me that out of his riches. But if I asked him for a million dollars, then he would be giving that to me according to his riches because it matches who he is. Five dollars out of a billionaire's pocket doesn't match who he is. A million dollars out of a billionaire's pocket matches who he is. It's according to his riches. And Paul is, is being bold enough to say, I'm praying that God will give you according to his riches. We're talking that's a lot of stuff. According to his power. That God will give you that. Not just out of. There was a story about a guy who was returning home from work and saw a, a stretch limo pulled down, broken down on the side of the road. And the chauffeur was outside with the, with the bonnet up and looking in the bonnet. This guy was a, a bit of a mechanic and so he thought, I'll pull over and give this guy a hand. And as he came over, he said, you need a hand? And he said, well, I can't get it. This has happened. The guy looked in the car and done a few things and, and got the car going again. And was walking back to his truck when the chauffeur said, hang on, hang on. The occupant of the vehicle would like to uh, give you a reward. And he said, no, 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 no reward necessary. He said, it's just, I just stopped to help you. It's just, that's fine. No worries, mate. Keep going. No problem at all. 
Well, the chauffeur went back and told the occupant and then he yelled out again. And he said, hang on, hang on, can I... The, the occupant would at least like to be able to give you um, some flowers, to send some flowers to your wife to say, sorry I kept your husband uh, back late and he didn't get home early and he, he was helping. Just some flowers. Can I send some flowers? So can we just have your uh, name and address and we'll send some flowers to you? And he said, yeah, all right. He gave him that and sent it away. Well, the flowers turned up. And the flowers turned up and said, thank you for your kind help. Your home mortgage is now paid off, signed Donald Trump. See, flowers would have just been out of his riches. Paying off the guy's home mortgage was according to his riches. And let me tell you what God said. I want to give you according to my power. Not just out of it. It matches who I am because I'm unlimited. So don't limit what I can do in you and through you. And he says it's power. And you look at that whole word according to the power that worketh in us. And and we look at the word power and we think, well, this is just something there and it's what it is. And the the story behind uh, how we get our word power is quite interesting. There was a guy by the name of Alfred uh, Bernhard Nobel, who's the guy who is the Nobel Peace Prize. It all comes after this fella. Well, he was a Swedish chemist and an engineer and he was an industrialist and he was working and discovered this powerful substance. And he had to call it something because he discovered it. You discover it, you've got to call it something. And he said, I don't know what to call it. So he, he rang a friend who was a Greek scholar and he said, what, what's a Greek word for power? And he said, well, the Greek word for power is dunamos. He said, well, I, saw, I need to call what I've just made something like that. And so he called it dynamite. Interesting to me that the peace prize came from the guy who created dynamite. But anyway, that's a bit of an oxymoron there. But he said, and so when Paul writes this, now they didn't have dynamite back then. But he's trying to describe something, how we look at it now, and we think something so powerful, it's explosive that can go off with a boom. He said, I want to tell you, that's what's in you. God has put his power in you. It's explosive. It has the ability to do what God can do according to his riches. Because he's unlimited. All i got to do is plug in. You ever had the blender sitting on the bench and you put some stuff in it and you turn it on but nothing happens? And you realise you haven't switched it on or haven't plugged it in? And all of a sudden you plug it in and this thing (laughs) kicks in. God's saying just plug in. How do I plug in? I plug in when I understand that I need to make that connection with God under Him. Magnify that comprehension of Him. Then maintain my confidence in Him because it's His power and His power that worketh in us, that works in us. He's, He's doing something exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think right now. And it's a faith step to say, God, I believe this. God, you're able. My pray- this will change your prayer life. This will change your outlook. This will change when you come across a crisis, where you turn to and what you do. Because you'll stop and say, hang on, no, no, no. God, you're able. And you'll stop and you'll say, Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for working in me. Right now, Lord, the situation I'm facing, you know it. I acknowledge you're doing exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think according to your power that works in me. God, you're doing this. And I choose to focus my thoughts. I choose to focus my my whole devotion on these truths instead of on my circumstances because you are absolutely unlimited. And the truth is, whether God chooses to do something or not, that's a question of his sovereignty. It's never a question of his ability because our God is absolutely able. My question is, will I put my faith in him and put this into practice in my life when, those ish, when that it hits me? Do I turn around and say, your ability is never in question, God. You're able. And I'm just going to keep that connection with you. God, help me magnify my comprehension of you and let me see how great you are.
Let me comprehend that and magnify that. And when I start to limit you in my prayer, stop me. See, see, I think at times we limit God with a prayer like this. Lord, I'm really asking that you would do an amazing work here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church, that you would fill these pews to overflowing with new converts, that the waters of the, waters of the baptistry would be stirred every Sunday. But if you choose not to do that, well, why don't you even throw that, but if you choose not to? Why don't you even throw that in? We always do that, but if, it, if it's not your will, why don't we even throw that in for? Why, why am I just stopping there? Because sometimes my tendency is to move back to the possible. And God's saying, I'm the God of the impossible. I am absolutely unlimited. According to the power that worketh in us. May 2018 be an explosive year in your life and in Good Shepherd Baptist Church life, as we look under the God who's absolutely unlimited. Let's bow our heads for prayer. I'm not sure how you wind things down here on a Sunday evening or Pete's coming to sing. But it would be a great opportunity as you, as you finish up here Sunday night. The week, the week has begun. You've had a good day in church. To remind ourselves again, God, wherever I've limited you already, God, help me magnify my comprehension. Maybe I need to even say, God, forgive me for limiting you and putting a but in my prayer life. God, help me remove that and put my faith in you. And I know, God, it's not a question about your sovereignty. You are sovereign. It's never a question about your ability, rather. God, it's a question of how you choose to do but whatever it is, God, I know you are able. If you keep a mountain unmovable, I know even now you're able to do exceeding abundantly in me. And maybe that's your prayer request tonight. Father, we just thank you again for your word. Thank you for the truth of the masterful writing of the Apostle Paul. And God, as we've uh, just pulled it apart in our feeble understanding and truths, God, help Help us magnify our comprehension, even of those verses as we meditate on it. May they come back to us, now unto him, unto you, God. And may we just get our eyes even just a little bit lifted up from this earth and focused onto you and magnify our comprehension that you, can, you are able, God. You're hyper, hyper. You can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. And we just thank you for this truth. Thank you for what you're doing in us now. And we ask you to bless this church, bless these lives, bless their pastor and his wife as they're, as they're having their break and getting ready to come back and continue to use this church to glorify you in this vicinity and beyond. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.